The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball and Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here on a Thursday evening after the Los Angeles Clippers fall to the Memphis Grizzlies 122-94 to in the first game of a back-to-back against the Grizzlies. Not a good game at all. The Clippers fall in a game where the defense wasn't good, the offense wasn't good, nothing really went the Clippers' way. Everything broke Memphis's way. They were hitting everything, a team that came in and was god-awful from three in the last several ball games. Goes 11 of 19 from three. They shoot 54%. Every starter shot better than 46%. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, who came in with eight total threes, had two in on two attempts. It, it just, frankly, was one of those games. But that being said, there were some things that really worried me. And when you look at all the stats... One that really stands out and that Brian Seaman talked a lot about during the broadcast was 72 points in the paint. Memphis had 72 points in the paint. The Clippers had 24. Do the math. It's not hard. 48 more points in the paint for the Memphis Grizzlies. They dominated. The floater game was on point and the Clippers just weren't physical enough. I didn't like the way they played. That being said, I'm not concerned. I think the Clippers will be much better tomorrow night. That's the benefit of having the game tomorrow is you're able to forget this one, make the adjustments, which Tyloo has done all season, and then move on to the following game. On today's show, Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film. He'll join. We'll chat about the ball game that just finished. We'll talk about what's going on with the Clippers offensively, defensively, if he's concerned at all. And we'll get a little bit into Luke Kennard and what's going on with his role on this team. Because we saw Reggie Jackson get sent to the bench after that 10-game sample size to start the season. Now it seems like Luke is a guy that's being sent to the bench. So we'll talk about him, talk a little bit about the point guard situation. And everybody wants to talk about Kyle Lowry and whether he's a possibility with Los Angeles Clippers. So, of course, we'll talk about that as well. But before we get there... I got to tell you about what we've got going on at Hoopball because it really is some good stuff. And I, I know you've heard me talk about it before, but if you're into the fantasy game, I really hope you have the fantasy pass. And if you don't, I don't know what you're waiting for because the fantasy pass is still the best deal in the industry. Just $4.99 per month. Now that we're in the regular season, zero commitment. Sign up for just one month for five bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel. But I know you're going to love it. But it's nice to have that option that if you don't like it, you can cancel. Why do I know you'll love it? Because it's going to make your team much better. And even if your team is already in first or second place, it's going to set you up so well for the postseason that you're going to win your leagues, whether it's a trophy, whether it's money. Hoopball is going to hook you up with a winning product. The Discord server, where you can hang out with Hoopball pros around the clock, get one-on-one help with your team, whether it's the ad drop chat room, whether it's the trade advice, whether it's the rate my team, whether it's the tweet storms that Dan and Adam do, where they break down all the fantasy-relevant players in each game, there's so much there. And that doesn't even include the updating projections, fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops. It's all there. So get the Fantasy Pass now. Head to hoop-ball.com. Click on the Fantasy Pass ad. 
just below the main media wall. And if you haven't signed up for the Brewski newsletter, I don't know what you're waiting for. The Brews letter is back, okay? Our founder, Aaron Brewski, writes an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. Exclusive content cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website, not in any podcast, it's not in social media. It's only in the email newsletter. Sign up, get it for free. Go to bit.ly slash brewsletter 2021. Sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly, B-I-T-L-Y slash brewsletter 2021. Aaron Brewski, straight to your inbox. Enjoy. All right, enough of me. Let's talk some Clippers basketball with Justin Wilson. There truly is no one better to talk Los Angeles Clippers basketball with than my friend Justin Wilson. At LA Clippers Film is where you see him on Twitter. One of the best in the game, reviewing tape. He knows his X's and O's. He's a beautiful basketball mind. And he joins us back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Justin, what's up, dude? Thank you for having me on, man. Um, you keep you, these intros just keep be- keep getting better and better. I'm kind of loving that part about it, so I appreciate it, bro. Thank you for having me on. Of course, man. I got to make them better because when I set the bar high, I, I can't continue to let you down, and that's really what the Clippers did tonight. <laughs> we have the bar high for them, and we expect them to come out with greatness every game, and then they go and they lay an egg like they did today against Memphis. Not a good performance at all, man. I, I there, There's one of those nights where you can go and tip your cap to the opponent when you play well, but your opponent just plays a lot better. And in this case, I didn't think that the Clippers played very well on either side. I mean, I know they missed some shots they normally make. Um, I just didn't think they enforced themselves at all on the defensive end for a team that has Kawhi, PG, Zoo. They've got some good assets on the defensive end. I mean, when you allow a team like Memphis to get 72 points in the paint. Dude, that's disgusting, man. What are your thoughts? Um, so like part of that, I, I do agree with like, um, they weren't as aggressive as they could have been on the ball, especially in the first half. They weren't as disruptive defensively. And that's one of the kind of drawbacks of this team defensively is they kind of, they aren't as active as they could be. But with that being said, I think a lot of people underrate how 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 much offense influences your defense. And it's very hard to keep up your defensive intensity when you're missing open shots and they are just making everything. And so I think as the game wore on, you kind of saw the Clippers let go of the rope a bit because they weren't hitting anything. And it seemed like Memphis were hitting almost everything. I mean, this is a Clipper team that um, they lead the league in three-point shooting at 42% or something very close to that. And they were like 12 of 34 tonight for 35%. Meanwhile, Memphis made one less three-pointer on 19 attempts, and they ended up shooting like 54 55% from the field. So, I mean, and a lot of the shots they were making were like shots that, especially in the first half, the defense kind of invites and so it's going to be a long night for the Clippers if teams go two three straight quarters making shots that you're trying to get them to take which I felt was a lot um which I felt happened tonight so I think it was a little bit of both like the Clippers the intensity wasn't there the effort definitely wasn't there 
But at the same time, I'm not so sure if the Clippers were making some shots that the effort would have been supercharged. You know what I mean? Like, like you see it all the time when you start to hit a couple shots, you start to get that mojo and that energy starts to pick up on the defensive end. And that just wasn't there tonight. Well, let me ask you this, because obviously you play basketball for a long time. It isn't the the isn't the advice that's always given to a team is that if the offense isn't falling, play defense because you can make your way on the defensive end and that'll eventually lead to offense because I understand what you're saying and that when the offense is there, you're jacked up, you're pumped up and you just want to slam the floor and you want to play good defense, you can get the ball right back. But in this case, when the offense isn't clicking, you have to be able to play good defense and you have to be able to get stops because you get that offense from your defense. And it's interesting because you said if the offense isn't falling, the defense will will slack off. I think it could also be the opposite where the defense has to help pick your pick you up off the mat and lead to offense. I don't disagree with that. I don't. I don't. I don't. I I I I I hear what you're saying as far as like letting your defense hold you until your offense starts to catch up and you finally start to make shots. And exactly. that definitely and and that definitely is the case. But I do wonder how much of that was there today. Um, because like, if you looked at, if you looked at the shots that Memphis were making today, almost all of those shots are shots that Ty Lue has went on record as saying that he wants them to take. Like Ty, Ty Jones was like making like floaters from like 12, 13 feet. Um, you had like Jonas Valanciunas making like long threes in the first half. Like a lot of those shots are shots that I think, and I think in the third quarter, Justice Winslow hit like a crazy fadeaway in Kawhi Leonard's face. Yeah. So like, like what I what I'm so what I'm getting at is the Clippers definitely could have been better tonight on that end of the floor, but there's only so much you can do when they are making the shots you want them to make, and you're also missing open shots. That's just a combination that's going to almost guarantee you a loss every single night. If the Clippers are in drop coverage or they're more, they play a more conservative coverage defensively, which invites floaters and like and, and mid-range jumpers, and the team is making them, then it puts a lot of pressure on us to make our open shots. And that that didn't happen. That didn't happen tonight. And so um I I do like I said, I do think they could have been better on that end of the floor. But they really made virtually every floater. They shot like 55%, and a lot of that was not threes, which kind of tells you how good of a night they were shooting. And, and I mean, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, and it's not a good three-point three shooting team, by the way. Uh, I think not at all. Brian They're not a good offensive team at all either. Yeah, I think Brian mentioned, I don't know the exact number, but he said something like 14 for 82 um, and over the last several games coming into this one, and then they go 11 of 19 from three, including, like you said, Valanchunas, who was two for two. I, I mean, and he had eight threes coming in. So you do tip your cap to them for the sh- amount of shots they made, and every single starter shot 46% or better. I mean, Dylan Brooks started off, I believe he was one of five, and he finished six of 13, and then JV and Morant were both seven of 14. Anderson was five of eight. Grayson Allen was four of six. And, and then... When you look at your starting five and PG is three of 12, your best guy, Kawhi Leonard, is six of 14, Batum's one of four, Beverly's two of seven, you're not going to win ball games. And this is just yeah. a matter of one team making shots, the other one not making shots. I was just a little concerned with the defensive effort. And honestly, 
I'm not that concerned overall. It really is one game, and I'm fairly confident the Clippers will come out tomorrow and beat Memphis pretty handedly. I mean, yeah, I do. I do. I think this is a team that I've seen all year that has responded well and does not lose back to back nights for the most part um, and does not lose two in a row. And so I think that Ty Lue will make the proper adjustments. I think these guys will come out and make their shots. And I think it it really is, I think, a simple adjustment um, with Memphis in that not allowing them to get that space for the floater because you know what they're going to show you. Now go and stop it. And they're not going to shoot as well from three. So I think you can make enough adjustments. So I'm positive that they're going to come out with more effort tomorrow. And I do think that that will result in a win because they've been good all year, Justin, when they lose, they come back the next night and or the next game, whenever it is. And they look pretty good, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. They've responded from losses. Um, probably the best in the league this year. Um, if I, if I don't even know how many two game losing streaks that they've had this year, um, maybe one. one. Yeah. yeah maybe one. one. Um, so like the confidence is there. Um, but like, for instance, Patrick Beverly was one of five from three tonight. He yeah. shoots 44% from three and all of his threes today were wide open. And a few of those goes in a few of Nicholas Batum's threes in the first half go in, um, open corner threes and the tenor of the game completely changes. And so I think, um, the Clippers are very, they are very much, they very much know who they are defensively as far as their principles. And I, I'm not so sure they're going to go away from that because just because there's a night where the Memphis Grizzlies are shooting hot from like the long mid range area. So, I mean, if they, if they are hitting those shots again tomorrow and on a back to back scenario, which I doubt, but if they are, then it's going to be another tough game because I think um, it's not the playoffs yet. And I, I don't, I don't think, um, the Clippers are going to dramatically try and alter what they're doing defensively. I think they'll do what they did tonight, but do it harder, do it faster, do it better. I remember um, I was I, I I was talking with a former coach of the Clippers like some years ago. Um, we were we were discussing defense and adjustments, and the very first thing he said was, "Before we." do any schematic changes the first thing we do is see if we can do what we need to do harder and i think if there's any adjustment that's going to be made going into tomorrow's game that's it do what you do harder right if you're going to if you're going to ice pick and roll ball screens um don't do it softly get into the ball handler make that floater that you're encouraging a little bit harder on them to make it felt like they were just a little bit more com- they were a little too comfortable um in their offensive actions today and if there's anything defensively um that they can change i think it's just to do what they need to do harder and to your point the starting lineup you look at personal fouls Pat Beverly had two, no one else had more than one. So be more intense, be more physical. I mean, get up in their face, like you said. And I I look at the schedule and this kind of reminds me um, in terms of possible, like, do they let down the next game? Remember when they lost to Brooklyn and then the next night against Cleveland, we're like, oh, wait, how are they going to come out? Because they exert all that energy against Brooklyn. Like it very well could be a letdown spot. And they go and beat Cleveland the next night by 22. So I think that that's, that's what we're going to see against Memphis tomorrow. 
the Cleveland game is actually a great example of it's very similar to um, what happened tonight, except in the second half, they missed all of their floaters and mid range jumpers that they were making in that first half game. Um, and, and Ty Lu said that was the point. That was the point of their defensive scheme. And if you're not making threes and they are making twos, it's going to be tough. But um, you're absolutely right. You're right on the money. Um, they weren't they weren't in anybody. And I think in the third quarter, you kind of saw them getting like backdoored. They were starting to lose their man. They kind of lost focus in that third quarter after what I honestly thought was a solid first half. Just missed a lot of shots. The third quarter and the second half defense as a whole, really, um, that was a bad defensive half. Um, especially with just low effort. So um, I'm looking forward to get the taste out of my mouth for, for tomorrow, for sure. And that's the benefit of playing the next night. I mean, you yes. look at how good Terrence Mann has been recently. He was one of five in 12 minutes. And you look at how good Zoo has been. He was two for four. It just felt like all the guys that have been good recently just weren't very good. And then when you have PG and Kawhi do as poorly as they did, um, you're going to lose. I mean, normally you and I talk about certain players and guys that have shined and guys that have impressed us. It's tough to look at this game and really take much out of it. Right. I mean, the one thing that does kind of worry me a little bit is it does seem like as good as Batum has been. um, I think he's definitely come back down to earth a little bit from what we saw at the first month or two to start the season. What are your thoughts on that assessment? I think I think you're right on that as far as like you can you can definitely see that in recent games he's starting to uh as you put it fall back to earth but honestly coming into the season I didn't I expected the best version of Nicholas Batum to not be somebody who uh was as he he basically overplayed my expectations tremendously so he's kind of falling into what I hope he'd be which is fine. Um, and and as long as he makes open shots, which I think he will, um, he may be going through a little bit of a cold stretch right now. Um, as long as as long as he keeps generating open shots for his teammates and makes open shots for himself and is a quality defender, um, I'm not I'm not too worried. I'm not too worried about Nico. Honestly, um, he plays he plays in the starting lineup with Paul George and Kawhi and surge and that's a lot of shooting between those three guys and a lot of playmaking and scoring there anyway so we honestly just need him as another ball mover and open shot maker and quality defender and i think he's capable of doing that i'm not i'm not too i'm not too worried about nicholas batum uh he he was just he was just playing like out of his mind to start the year and he's finally settling into the player that um that he probably is going to be and that's still a that's still a positive for the clippers you know what i mean yeah, and he just needs to play good defense and, frankly, be open and hit open shots. And I think, yeah. I mean, you're not going to get the 15 points, six rebounds, two steals, three threes. Like, that's more often than not, that's not going to happen. I mean, he's also not going to have performance like tonight or four points, two rebounds, two assists on one of four shooting. Right. It was good to see Surge, by the way, um, hit some shots because the Clippers are going to need him because at the start of the season, the biggest thing that we were saying is that the addition of surge as a guy who can spread the floor and actually step out and shoot the three. And today he's three of four. I mean, that's a huge part of their offense is when they're able to do that and make teams spread the floor defensively and not be able to hone in on guys like Kawhi and PG on the perimeter. It really does help out your offense a lot. So I know you were pumped to see surge look a little bit better tonight. 
Oh, absolutely. I think um, I think at one point, um, Brian on the telecast mentioned that he was five for twenty six. He was five for his last twenty six on threes. So he's definitely going. He's been going through a cold stretch, and it's kind of good to see him kind of just make some shots. And honestly, over the course of an, a seventy two game season this year, um, typically an eighty two game season, you're going to go through cold stretches. You're going to miss shots. Um, I think he's a certified shooter. Um, and no matter how many shots he misses, um, the defense will respect him as an open shooter. And his gravity will automatically give Paul George and Kawhi Leonard more space. And eventually he'll start to make shots like he did tonight. So he's another one I, I wasn't really worried about. I just hated the uh, the post-up touches that he was getting in recent games. And those little hook shots that he kept shooting and missing. And I, I wasn't a fan of those. And But as long as he's like shooting open mid-range jumpers and open three-point shots, I'm fine. Um, eventually he'll make them if he's not making them. Uh, he's a good shooter. And he's definitely an asset to that starting lineup in Paul George and Kawhi, especially. Yeah, I just think he and Zoo tomorrow need to be better defensively and make the paint yours. If someone tries coming towards you, be physical, man. I mean, contest their shots. And I think he and Zoo need to do that. I do want to talk about what's going on with Luke Kennard uh, because oh, we saw in the beginning of the season with Reggie Jackson that he was, after that 10-game sample size, they bench Reggie and they went with Luke and they went with Lou. And now it seems like they're going with Reggie and they're going with Terrence Mann. And Luke is the odd man out. And all I can look at is four years, 64 million. And I, it's tough to say that you're paying that guy $16 million a year to currently sit on the bench and most likely be a DNP CD unless it's at the end of the game like it was where he got six minutes. What's going on with him? Because it's funny. Whenever we bring him up, we always say, well, look how good he has been from three this season. I mean, from the regular season, he's shooting 43.5% from three. He's shooting about 45.5%. Not bad numbers. It's just that it seems like he's not doing enough, and now he's just not getting the playing time. What do you think the deal is right now with Luke Kennard and where he fits with this team? Um, he's just, he just been usurped in the rotation. Um, Terrence Mann and especially Reggie Jackson have played well enough to put him on the bench. And that's the, that's the honest truth. Um, there was a moment where the Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And then there was a moment where they were without Paul George. And during that time, Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson really put their, put their foot out, put that they, they really showed themselves as guys who deserved minutes. And in that time, uh, Luke Kennard didn't, um, I think this is an, it's an early, it's still early in the season, relatively speaking. Um, we got to get to the finish line. We still got to get to 72 games. So there will be injuries. There will be situations where Luke Kennard will get an opportunity to regain his spot in the rotation. But I think it's nothing more than, like, Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann playing better than him. And honestly, I, I do get the contract. The contract doesn't look so great now. But it is what it is. Like, they are, they've been playing better than him. And Ty Lue is just going with who's the better players right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's not it, – optically, it doesn't look so great that you're benching the um, 
64 million dollar guy but um yeah he's I, he just was he just hasn't been as good as Terrence and he hasn't been as good as um Reggie and Reggie Jackson especially is the guy who um kind of pushed um Luke Kennard to the bench in my opinion because if you, what you just brought up right after the first 10 games who was the guy that went to the bench it was Reggie Jack it was Reggie Jackson yeah. um and it's only because Reggie Jackson has become such a um honestly such a a not not necessarily stable but he's just been solid he's just been solid and he's just been playable um and Luke Kennard hasn't and um Hopefully, Luke Kennard regains his mojo. Um, like I said, I think there will be some opportunities for him to do so. But I think this is nothing more than Ty Lue playing the guys who has who have warranted minutes. If you look at this game tonight, um, I know Joey Lynn mentioned it on Twitter. Would you have liked to see Luke come into this game with how much they were double-teaming PG and Kawhi? Um, maybe, like... I, a lot of that is second guessing, you know, like, yeah, like, like, um, Luke, Luke Kennard didn't play in the Utah game and we were just fine. Yeah. He, he didn't, he didn't really play much in the Washington game and we were just fine. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's hard to like say like after the game, sure. It looks, it sounds like maybe we could have tried Luke Kennard, but like he hasn't been in a rotation and it's worked out. You know what I mean? And so, like, sure, that may have worked. That may have worked. But in the moment, it's kind of hard to make that call when you all when you kind of know who your rotation guys are right now. And, you know, you know, I think I was telling a friend this. If you coach every game like, well, this guy isn't playing well today, so I'm going to sit him or this guy isn't playing well today, so I'm going to sit him. You get no consistency and no trust from your from your guys. So, like, it's going to take more than one bad game from certain guys for Luke Kennard to get an opportunity because I was and still am a Luke Kennard guy, but he just played himself out of the rotation. He did. He did by not being aggressive, by not putting, making his presence known. And, like, yeah, he definitely probably he may have been able to help today. But again, that's kind of like hindsight bias. You know what I mean? And and I just think that um, there there will be opportunities in the future for him to get his playing time back. Yeah, I think at some point we'll go back to this 10 game thing. I think this is part of the 10 game sample size, probably without without Luke Kennard. And they're going to see how it looks and then reevaluate. It's interesting because you said. He played himself out of the rotation. And then we've also talked about how Terrence and Reggie play themselves in. When you look at Luke's numbers and his shooting percentages and what he has done when he gets a higher volume, you would think that he would stay in the rotation because the, the shooting numbers aren't bad, right? I mean, call me crazy. It, when he shoots 43.5% or whatever it is from three, that's not bad for who he is. That's not. <laughs> it's not bad at all. That's fantastic, right? I um, mean, like you would think if he sh- if he shot the ball ten times in a game from three, which is not going to happen. I mean, that's twelve points right there, possibly fifteen points just from Luke Kennard. Well, I, true, but like that's kind of been the problem with Luke is that yeah. um is that he's not shooting the ball enough. Yeah. Somebody who's who's somebody who's shooting that well from three needs to kind of be jacking away and. When he had his opportunity, he wasn't. He he wasn't, and he I, I don't know who he has to blame. The entire team was encouraging him to shoot the ball, 
And I, I kind of saw it. I, I, I sent out a tweet from it like maybe like three weeks ago. Um, I said, uh, I wonder what's going to happen when the Clippers are fully healthy because it clear, it clearly seems like Luke Kennard is playing his way out of the rotation. And sure enough, when they got healthy, that's exactly what happened because when he was a, when he was he was getting regular rotation minutes while guys were injured, and that was his moment to kind of like step up and like prove his medal and he didn't he didn't come through um but he is a fantastic shooter to your point um that that per- he's shooting a very good percentage from three but my thing with luke is that he has a hard time impacting the game if he's not getting wide open threes like and that's why guys like terrence Mann are getting rotation minutes ahead of him right now because even if terrence Mann isn't scoring he's defending he's rebounding He's breaking up defensive plays. He's getting um, deflections. And that's not in Luke Kennard's wheelhouse. And Luke Kennard, with all the scores that we have in the second unit, with like Marcus Morris and Lou Williams and um, Paul George plays with the second unit, it's he's not going to be featured. He's got to find a way to impact the game more than when he's just making shots because the ball isn't going to find him that often due to all the scores that are in the second unit. So I think moving forward, that's probably the thing that's keeping him out of the rotation is his inability to impact the game beyond just making shots when he has the ball. Interesting. I'm glad you're able to offer that perspective because when you look at the numbers straight up, you wonder what's going on. But you're absolutely right in terms of the number of shots that he had and he wasn't taking. I mean, when you have a guy that shoots as well as he does from three and he was so aggressive when he's with Detroit and you maybe wonder if it's a little bit of hesitancy being a guy that hadn't played in a long time and they still get his legs underneath them. And that's entirely possible. So hopefully we get a improved canard after the all-star break. And instead of being a trade acquisition of sorts, you get canard who actually steps into a role, the guy that you thought you were trading for, um, which would be awfully nice. And speaking of trades, I do want to bring something up. I'm going to do it just because people are talking about it. You and I have talked about this before. And people talk about the point guard position for the Clippers. And you have been adamant in saying the Clippers do not need another point guard. They're fine. And they have been great all season. They don't need them. But the name Kyle Lowry came out today on Twitter. I'll go ahead and squash it by saying the Clippers don't have the assets to trade for him. So (laughs) more likely than not, he is not going to. More likely than not, he's going to probably end up either with Toronto um, or make himself go back. I mean, who who knows where he decides to go, Philadelphia, whatever. Um, But the thoughts on this nonsense that's being spread on Twitter about Kyle Lowry and the Clippers needing a point guard. So, I mean, if the, in theory, if the Clippers had a real chance to get Kyle Lowry, then I'd be all aboard. Absolutely. Um, The, Kyle Lowry isn't just a point guard upgrade. He's a talent upgrade. And you never say no to talent upgrades. You know what I mean? Like, he will make your team better. But my whole stance about the Clippers not needing a point guard has to do in part because of the guys that people named and the guys that people um, thought were attainable for the Clippers. Like, Jeff Teague or Rajon Rondo or, like, some of the names that get tossed or Ricky Rubio – some of the names that get tossed around for the Clippers when it, when you hear their point guard discussion just do not make any sense, and they do not make the Clippers any better than they already are, which is really damn good. So Kyle Lowry is not that. He will definitely make us very much better. Like He's one of the best point guards of his generation. He's a champion. 
Um, I would sign up for him in a heartbeat, but like, there's no way that it's happening, but I would definitely sign up for him and I'd be willing to trade some stuff for him if it was actually, if it actually got to that point, because I'm a huge fan of his and I think he's really good. Um, he's a championship level addition. He's a championship level bet. He's tested. He's been deep in the playoffs. He's, he's hit some big shots. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a huge Kyle guy. And, um, when we say the Clippers don't need a point guard, that's not, it's not like Kyle Lowry or like Chris Paul or something. We're signing up to get those guys right. seven days a week. You know what I mean? But like, if, if you think the Clippers need a point guard and then you tell me, um, Jeff Teague or like Ricky Rubio or like, I, I whoever, like that, that, that's when I'm like, okay, you guys are just, you're just got, you guys are just providing lip service. That doesn't even make sense that those guys don't make the Clippers better, but absolutely. I would sign up for Kyle Lowry in a heartbeat. He's a great player. I think he's averaging like 17 a game this year, shooting at 40% from three again. Uh, he's tremendous. He's great. Um, and I would love to have him on my team if he became available. I don't even know what they could offer to make that work. I mean, I really don't know what Toronto would want. Um, I mean, Toronto, by the way, is still good. So this whole nonsense of them trading away one of their key pieces. I mean, sure, they've got Fred Van Fleet, and they've been good when Lowry sits because that allows them to start Norman Powell, who has been really good. Um, But I, I just don't know who the Clippers could even offer. I mean, the Clippers throwing the zoo in a deal would make no sense whatsoever um, because that would hurt their defense in the second unit by a lot. I mean, obviously, if you can get Kyle Lowry, you probably do get rid of zoo. Um, Really friendly contract. And Toronto does need a center. I mean, they, for some reason, refuse to play Boucher, who has been really good when given the minutes. I mean, a a package maybe of what zoo Terrence Mann, um, I don't know, Marcus Morris. I don't even know if they would take him uh, for Kyle Lowry. D- does that make sense? Um, yeah, it, what you're saying, what you're saying makes sense. And I think if they were trading Kyle Lowry, it has more to do with this contract situation. Um, yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he's going to be a free agent in the off season. Yeah. Um, and and the money he's going to be asking for at his age, I'm not sure Toronto wants to commit that. Um, that amount of money to him. Um, and they may want to get ahead of that and get some assets for him. Um, with that being said, um, he kind of has some leverage. Like, the only way this could work is if he demanded that he'd go to the Clippers, right? If he says the Clippers are the team I want to go to, then no team is going to trade anything for him because he's just going to leave them for the Clippers in the offseason anyway. So that that's probably the only way this could happen this um fantasy scenario but like i saw it this morning i couldn't give it much thought because he's just such a good player and it seems so far-fetched that he'd end up in a clipper uniform this year but um who knows you've seen you've seen worse things happen and in today's nba if a star player demands and forces his way to certain to a certain location they normally get what they want <laughs> so all it ta- all it kind of takes is Kyle Lowry saying i want to play for the clippers and uh things will start moving and then they would have three of the five starters from that Toronto Raptors team that uh, that won the title. I mean, the <laughs> Toronto Clippers. Yep, exactly. Toronto by Clippers. by way of Tampa Bay. Yeah, dude, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, Kawhi, Ibaka, Lowry, and, and they go from Toronto. They uh, enjoy their summer and their winter in Tampa, and, and then they uh, decide to come 
to LA. I mean, God, that's it, it. Just seems like it would be far fetched to make it happen. But I, I did want to discuss it because everybody's talking about it. It's worth bringing up. Nothing uh, is impossible in the NBA, man. It's Seriously. true. It's really true. By the way, where do you think Boogie's going to end up? I, if I had to guess, I would guess Brooklyn. That'd be my guess. Yeah. They have a need for. They have a need in the front court. Um, Kevin Durant is a fan of his. Um, I, 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 well, but at the same time, you know, him and James Harden aren't on the best of terms. It doesn't seem like so. Who knows? Um, I would. I, I it's oof, that's tough. Um, I'm not a fan of his man, and so I. It's hard for me because I don't know what good team would need a stretch five that can't shoot or protect the rim, you know? Um, But, like, Brooklyn has a need in the front court. So, like, if I had to guess, I'd guess Brooklyn. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And then uh, I was alerted to the whole stuff with him and Harden. So I'm just Because the Lakers, I mean, it seems like they're not interested in him, and I thought that would be a place that maybe would make sense as long as AD is out. Um, But anyways, so the Clippers right now are 23-11. and And they are a team that is sitting at second in the Western Conference. I think that Utah is probably going to secure that one seed. I got to tell you, man, I'm a little terrified of a 2-3 matchup with the Lakers in the uh, conference semis. I mean, everyone talks about how we just need to get to the Western Conference finals to break that drought. And what a way to break it by having to go through the Lakers this season. I mean, that that's just the way things break right now for this team, right? I mean, you line yourself up to get to the Western Conference Finals to take on the Lakers and little of and then of course Utah decides to win the West and you gotta face them in the Western Conference semis. It's ridiculous, right? I mean, yeah, but like it's true. But honestly, man, I don't know. I I like the Laker matchup. It's gonna sound I know I know it's gonna sound like kinda like cocky and arrogant and I'm a clever guy. But I really like the um, the Laker matchup just because I get LeBron and AD are like all world top five players and everything like that. But they don't really have the guys that the Clippers are bad against, like dynamic, quick guards um, that can hit threes and get in the paint. They don't really have that dynamic type of guy. I mean, they do have Dennis Schroeder, but Dennis Schroeder isn't on the level of like Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, they kind of go crazy against us over, and they have over the last couple of years. And so I'm almost, I'm very close to saying my hot take is that I'm pretty much more, more worried about the Jazz than the Lakers as it pertains to playoffs. That's my hot take. Um, I know nobody is going to agree with that, but like visually, I just am more comfortable playing the Lakers than I am the Utah Jazz. They're just like really quick off the bounce. And they have a ton of shooting, whereas the Lakers don't have a ton of shooting and they aren't all that quick off the bounce. And the Clippers are a slower team. They are a big wing team and they are tailor made to guard a team who doesn't who don't have that dynamic guard, which the Clippers, which excuse me, which the Lakers really don't. So if we ended up playing the Lakers in the second round, it, it kind of sucked because the Lakers are really good. But I also wouldn't be too terrified of it. I'm also not sure that the Lakers are going to finish third either. Um, a lot of this stuff is in flux. I think um, Phoenix is right there in the loss column or like one loss behind both the Clippers and the Lakers. So a lot of a lot, there's a lot to be settled. But if we played the Lakers in the second round right now, 
I truly would like our chances. I, I really would. Um, I like how we match up against them. They, yeah, all three of them, by the way, have 11 losses now. The Clippers, Lakers, and the Suns. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I agree with you. <laughs> I, I, I really do think that the Clippers match up well with the Lakers. I mean, uh, you look at what LeBron has done against the Clippers, and he shoots the worst of anybody. I mean, he shoots the worst against any team. It's the Clippers. And oh, they, it's bad. And, well, it's bad. It's yeah. Bad. I mean, he does, he does not do well against the Clippers. And this team, I'm really fearful for AD. Uh, I really do not. I mean, the fact that he wants to come back and play right now, that just seems like a disaster. They're obviously not going to rush him back. And they're only going to play him when he's healthy. But when, when this stuff happens, man, you got to be careful. Because he went from some Achilles soreness to now... Um, something that's a little bit more serious. I mean, the next thing really is a torn Achilles. So you really have to be careful. And I'll be curious to see what happens with him because they're showing now that this team, very similar to the one that just didn't make the playoffs years ago when they didn't have Anthony Davis and it was LeBron and a cast of characters. And those characters, by the way, are very good now in guys like Ingram and Ball um, and Josh Hart. Uh, they've all been pretty good, but... I'm not as intimidated by the Lakers. I think I'm more intimidated by their fan base and just the allure of the Lakers and the amount of people that talk trash on Twitter and decide to destroy the Clippers. I think that's what I'm more afraid of than uh, the people that would come from Utah. I mean, the Utah Twitter is pretty quiet, so I'm not really as afraid of them. But I do agree with you, man. And what's interesting is we always talk about the West being stacked. I'm not sure I feel that this season. I mean, you look at four through eight, and yes, I get the Suns are good, but I'd I'd be fine facing them in the playoffs. And then you look, yeah. you, got, you got Portland at five, San Antonio at six, Denver at seven, Golden State at eight. I mean, we were all fearful of teams like the Pelicans and the Mavs, and they very well could get back into the playoff race because that'll happen with the play-in game and stuff. But the West, I don't think, is as good as it normally is. What do you agree? Disagree? I mean, viewing it from the Clipper from a Clippers lens, I absolutely think so. I think it's, I think it's pretty clear. I, I don't know, man. I truly do think that the Clippers look to be the best team in the conference. They're the only team in the conference right now that have beaten the Jazz and the Lakers. Um, that's just, and that's just honestly, that's how I see it. And um, what you said about the Suns is true. The Suns are really good. But that's a that's a game that the Clippers should win. You know what I'm saying? Like so, um, definitely, definitely believe that the the West is probably um, for there for the taking. I I don't know if I believe that it's just. It, I believe they're really good. I just think the Clippers are a tier above everyone else except for the Lakers, and I think the Clippers are better than the Lakers. And um, hopefully, we get a chance to prove it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you agree with me that the Clippers are going to come out and they're going to handle uh, Memphis tomorrow? Or do you think it's going to be pretty close and it's up in the air? I, I, I think they'll win comfortably. I do. Um, I have a hard time seeing Memphis making those same shots on a back-to-back night. Um, you may even see Ty Lue make some adjustments um, defensively, or he may just he may just stick with the same game plan. And he may and Memphis may miss shots. And if they miss shots and we may it sounds it sounds pretty simple. But if they miss the shots that we want them to take and we make the shots that we're supposed to make, it will be a comfortable win. And I think that'll happen. So I'm in agreement with you. 
Yeah. Quick thoughts on uh, uh, the second half schedule. I mean, the schedule is always something that you have to play. You have to play teams twice that are at a conference, and then you're going to end up playing teams in your conference, obviously, several times. So uh, the schedule is normally something that I don't really care about. But it is interesting. The Clippers have nine games in a row at home. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, from March 27th to April 11th. And then they finish with four in a row on the road. It's definitely weird. Um, I guess it's beneficial to have those nine games in a row at home. I mean, that's that's a good thing. What do you think? I have. When's the last time the Clippers had a nine-game homestand? That seems incredibly long. Yeah, I, I don't remember Jeez. the last time that's happened. I, I feel like it hasn't. That, that's a lot of games in a row at home. I mean, they are legitimately home for over two weeks. I mean, they're home from... Because they, they play San Antonio on March 25th, so they come home on that Thursday night. So they're home on that Friday all the way until Tuesday, April 13th. So that's two and a half weeks that they're at home. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, and that's probably my favorite part of the second half schedule. Um, because just depending on where we're at, um, if we... If we are, if we're within striking distance of the one seed, or probably we probably won't be. But if we have, we have a chance to make some hay. Nine, nine games at home. If we take care of business during that stretch, um, we'll put we'll put ourselves in great position. Um, give ourselves a chance to get some really good mojo heading into the playoffs. So like, yeah, I that nine game stretch is like my that's like my sweet spot of the second half schedule. Other than that, um, it's pretty typical. Um, seventeen. 17 home, 17 on the road. Um, what I like about the schedule is that we got the Utah and Brooklyn games out of the way. That, 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 that to me, is the best part of the second-half schedule is there's no Brooklyn and there's no Utah. So, you know. Yeah, and it's Lakers twice. So, I mean, it's not really a huge issue. So, uh, Justin, I appreciate you as always, my man. A big thanks to hopping on and chatting Clippers basketball with me. Nah, thank you, bro. Um it's always a pleasure. It's always a chance for us. It's always great when I get a chance to like connect with you and talk about hoops with you. And I can't wait to do it again. We got a long season ahead of us. Um, this was just a speed bump. Yes, sir. At LA Clippers film is where you can see Justin's Twitter stuff. He is honestly, I, I wasn't kidding in the intro. The dude is the best in the game and the amount of video clips that he shows to prove his point And he does it in ways that you can understand it. So Justin's the best. Justin, I'll talk to you soon, man. Perfect. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Love. Another Justin Wilson pro- Wilson podcast that is 100 out of 100. Just perfect. Love that guy. Love having him on. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I-, I am not lying when I say that I really do think he's one of the best in the business. The guy's fantastic. He is going to be someone that you're going to hear about when it comes to breaking down basketball down the road. Now, what's ahead for the Clippers? We talked about it tomorrow night. Forget this ball game. Move on. Make the adjustments. We'll see what you have in front of you. Can you pick up the win tomorrow in Memphis? I believe the Clippers will. And it's a game they really do need to win because when you look at the schedule that awaits them, it's not pretty. I mean, you got to face Milwaukee on Sunday, and that's on the road. Then you got to go to Boston at Washington, who just beat Denver, by the way. It's not easy to close this out. So you have four tough games on the road to finish off this first half. And every game is important, especially when the game after tomorrow is Milwaukee. So go ahead. Let's see what the Clippers have. I think they're going to come out strong. That game, again, is at 5 o'clock Pacific. 
So check that one out. We'll be back on Sunday with Joey Lynn. We'll record after that Milwaukee game. It's a 12.30 p.m. Pacific time game. Um, so we will probably record about 2.45, 3 o'clock or so, and we'll podcast out for you um, for your drive on Monday. Or if you're still at home, then we'll have a podcast for you at home. Before we do say goodbye, though, you've heard me talk about our friends over at Manscaped, right? Well, I got to tell you guys that what they're doing with the Perfect Package 3.0 is just awesome. So not only do you get the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, which is making everything nice and clean, you've also got the Lawnmower 3.0, simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. It hits the sweet spot in every single way. I know you've used scissors before. I know you've had your nicks before, and it's not pretty. Manscaped, with that Lawnmower 3.0, takes your grooming game to the next level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. All right? They have everything you need and more. I talked about the Perfect Package 3.0, the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver. They also even throw in their travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your boxer game to the next level. Talk about the ultimate utility, man. Manscaped is like the Mike Trout of ball trimmers. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code HoopBall20. All right. So we'll be back on Sunday. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. I always love chatting Clippers basketball with Justin. Justin even said after the podcast, he said, you know what? It really just felt like we're just talking hoops. And that's why I love having Justin on because we just talk hoops. So make sure you follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. Twitter handle for the Hoopball Clippers Twitter account at Hoopball Clips. Of course, Justin is at LA Clippers Film. Rate and review the podcast. It does help us grow. Really appreciate it whenever you guys do that. Just it's awesome. The support that we get for this podcast <clears throat> is really, really great. I'm not crying. Just my throat going out after recording for a while. So big thank you to everybody. Until next time, go Clips. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.